More media they talked, including two of the more interesting teams in the NBA this year. And we go with a lightning round in the second segment covering a variety of topics, including the Wizards making a good move. Surprising and also urgent breaking podcast news. There's a rap battle in the NBA. We'll talk about it. It's the Wednesday Locked on NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday hump day, we are here to get you through it. We are your regular Wednesday hosts. I am John Corrales. I host the Lockdown Celtics podcast, and I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. Find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. One of the things about this Lockdown Podcast Network is we've got a lot of our hosts here are covering these teams. We've got inside people, insiders embedded with these teams. Now, I'm a beat writer. I cover the Boston Celtics. You are covering the New Orleans Pelicans. We both had media days this week. We were both there. We had, uh, and the Celtics are a very interesting team after Kyrie left, but obviously the New Orleans Pelicans are super exciting because post Anthony Davis, you've got Zion Williamson, uh, you've got a completely retooled and exciting team. So let's start with segment one, our respective media days, starting with the Pelicans. What was the, uh, I guess the main thing, the main feeling coming out of Pelicans media day? Uh, a lot of optimism, I think, about the future. You know, a lot of it is centered around Zion, him being a freak athlete. Drew Holiday called him a mutant. Uh, JJ Reddick mm-hmm. called him a beautiful human. I think Josh Hart called him like an exceptional athlete. You can kind of use any uh, superlatives that you want when it comes to him, and certainly that's going to be the case. We saw this dude in college. His vertical leap is basically legendary at this point. And what they can build on with him here, and it's different than when they drafted Anthony Davis and then traded away future first-round pick after future first-round pick and basically had no basis to build up. You have Zion coming in along with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, along with Jackson Hayes, one of those guys as a lottery pack in Hayes and Alexander Walker was taken 17th overall. There's a pretty strong foundation player wise, and they're pretty excited about adding to that group with kind of some young veterans in Drew Holiday, in the guys that they brought in from the Los Angeles Lakers. And they think they kind of have the right mix of building for the future, but also being competitive now. That doesn't necessarily mean being a playoff team, but certainly at least being competitive. And it's not like they're going to tank for multiple years. So I think that's a big thing. The other idea you kind of get or theme from Media Day maybe is that this is going to be an interesting case to see if a small market can build a uh, consistent title contender or playoff contender. You've got ownership that's buying into this team more so than they ever have before. They just sunk $10 million, I think, into renovating a practice facility that's only about four or five years old. You've got them throwing money at assistant coaches, at other people in the front office, spending like probably no one else in the league is doing right now. And that's not always the case in a small market. And you've got that while you have Zion Williamson. So I'm going to be curious to see, you know, how do they keep expanding on this? And can you make a small market, you know, a viable contender without maybe worrying about some of the constraints that we've seen from other teams in the future? I think we've seen small markets be insanely marketable when they've got the talent. And you saw it in Oklahoma City where in in Oklahoma City – ownership is a different story but so that's the difference there with those two but yes i agree with you yeah so if you've got talent 
especially now we're here in 2019 where everything's global. League pass is pervasive. The internet is pervasive. Social media, you're sharing everything. Market size matters. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but the impact of market size is a, a lot different, I think, nowadays considering how much exposure is out there through all of these different channels. So if you've got the talent in an exciting young player, somebody like Zion, it can minimize what the the downfall of small markets, I think. Oh, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, they're on national TV 30 times this year, yeah. and it's it's the Zion effect. So I know, I'm not worried about it from that perspective. It's, again, can you attract players to come here in free agency in the future is going to be a big thing. Are you going to spend the money necessary to compete you know, that means a little luxury tax in the future. And, but that's kind of a side note to things that I think are maybe more a little bit interesting to locals here. But the bigger part of media is Zion Williamson and everyone talking about him. And I mean, that's the story around this team. They're trying to protect him and to temper expectations saying this is Drew Holiday's team, that it's not Zion who's the savior of New Orleans. And while I love Drew Holiday and know how good he can be, Let's be honest. This is about Zion, despite everyone kind of trying to take the attention <laughs> off of him. Hey, and don't tell J.J. Redick that this might not be a playoff year. That, so that was one of the – there are a couple moments that are pretty funny in media day. Like media day, by and large, and you'll probably agree with me, it, it's kind of dumb, to be <laughs> honest. Like, what, what, no, think about it. Like, what are these guys going to say when you ask them certain questions? Right. You know, like, are you guys going to be competitive this year? Are they going to be like, no, we're going to be terrible. We're not trying to make the playoffs. Like, <laughs> Like, what do you, what do you think? You know, it's, it's live streamed now for most of them where you can just, everyone can watch them. So it's not like this is like kind of secretive access. It's just kind of like at times you're like, why am I even here? Uh, right. but you have moments that are then fun. And so they've talked a lot about kind of the veteran leadership on this Pelicans roster providing insight and being mentors and different things like that to Zion and some of these younger guys. And Zion was saying, you know, he was talking to JJ Reddick and Reddick had just finished giving him like a really good piece of advice. And Reddick is consummate pro, been around the league a lot. That's kind of the guy you want mentoring a young guy. And then Reddick looks at him and Reddick's on a 13 year streak of making the playoffs and wants to keep that alive. He said, he looks at Zion and says, don't mess this up for me. And then just walked and just walked away. Now he didn't say it quite like that. There were some other words that we don't need to say on the podcast right. here, but that was the theme of it that Reddick wants to get back in. I don't think he would have signed here if he didn't think he could. Sure. And they have a chance if, and obviously the West is stacked and the chances are minimized, but they, they definitely have an outside Shot. Now, your media day, I think, is a little bit different than the Celtics media day, which is it, it's kind of been subdued, I think, over the course of the past few years. Uh, there's one section where all the players just get herded in for their uh, Jumbotron segments, their interview with Celtics.com and their headshots and photos and all of that stuff. And then all of the media is just herded into one place. They bring everybody up to a podium, and then they walk off, and that's it. But Celtics media day, Celtics are an interesting team as well because of the post-Kyrie era. They are in that group that everybody keeps talking about, the potential third seed. Everybody knows that the Bucks are number one, the Sixers are number two in, as far as the consensus goes. But then number three is like a bunch of hodgepodge of three, four, five yep. teams, depending on, on how you see things. Celtics are in that mix. So two things stood out to me in that. 
The Celtics used the term fresh start, I think, six or seven different times. And it says a lot about how bad last year was. They, I always think that you can say more about something, an event, whatever, not by talking about it directly, but how you talk about something in relation to it. So they're talking about this season and they're all just like relief. It's a fresh start over and over and over again. And it tells you that last year really wore on them, that these guys that are returning from last year's team, just looking forward to something new. So that I think is number one. The second thing that really stood out to me was Jason Tatum just flat out saying when they're, when they're saying what a, a simple generic question, what, what do you need to work on? And he said the thing that we in Boston have been talking about over and over and over again, get to the attack, the rim more, take more threes, get more free throws. And he said, like, if you want to be an elite scorer, you have to get to the line. You have to hit those threes and you have to uh, just attack the basket and get layups. So, from a Boston perspective, looking at the future and, and how this season might go, Jason Tatum averaging more than 20 points per game is, is part of them having success. And considering that he averaged just under 16, if he hits a couple more free throws and another three per game, then he'll get up over that 20 point mark. So those two things were the things that stood out from a Boston perspective to me. No, so I think you make a really good point because when, uh, particularly about what Jason Tatum needs to do and like, he's the kind of the type of player I think going into this year that like kind of needs to take a bit of a leap. Is that a safe thing to oh, say? Absolutely. In fact, I just wrote a column on masslive.com, shameless plug, that Jason Tatum's season this year is like a Celtics franchise defining season because if he hits and he's about to get paid too right next season he's due for his extension next summer so this oh, okay is the, I'm, a, I'm a year too early here jalen brown is the one that's right now got uh, it if tatum makes this leap if he becomes a star we don't know if he will but if he does then the brooklyn trade there i heard the rumblings people are starting to talk about whoa the celtics wasted that brooklyn trade if he becomes a star then that that doesn't that's not the case. Uh, Danny Ainge has been criticized about not making the Anthony Davis trade and kind of blowing the opportunity with Kyrie and Al Horford and potentially going for Davis. If, if Tatum becomes the star, then you, you will say, oh, well, this is why he didn't go all in regardless for Anthony Davis. And if Tatum does become that star and does bring the Celtics to a level where they're a contender, whether it be this year or next, then you can see that path of going with the young guys uh really kind of paying off. They do not have to rebuild again. And there's they're in that mix again for a title. And it, it really, if he does it, if that doesn't pan out, the Celtics, now you're talking about championship drought, which for the Boston Celtics, 11 years is a long time. And there, you'll, you'll be able to say like, well, it's it's not going to happen for 12, 13, 14, 15 years. So they're going to go a long time without getting into that mix again. So Tatum's season this year is definitely franchise-defining. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the things he needs to improve on. When we were when I was doing like hypothetical Anthony Davis trade packages and you're kind of building a package with the Celtics around Jason Tatum, 
you know, you kind of look at him and you're like, okay, you could do worse than this. But at the same time, it's not like, hell yeah, let me pull the trigger on that deal right away. And part of it is he doesn't get to the free throw line nearly as much as he should. And that was one of the big things that jumped out, just watching a lot of his film and needs to get better at shooting threes, though. I think that potential is definitely there. Uh, But overall, like, yeah, you kind of uh, saw like a little bit of the lack of aggression there maybe in him. Yeah, it, it's, it changed a little bit in FIBA, then he got hurt. He knows it, the Celtics know it, just a matter of doing it. So, we'll see how that goes. After the break, we'll rapid fire our way through some other little news and notes things that are happening around the league. We'll do that when we come back. Remember, Manscaped is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. We're back with more locked on NBA right after this. few news items in the NBA uh, today that we'll react to quickly. It's not, you know, not something that's going to take up a whole segment, but interesting thing. Lightning we'll round. There we go. We're lightning round. It will start with the Washington Wizards are really one of our favorite punching bags, but they did a good thing today. Uh, Rod Thorne, who is a former VP of basketball operations for the NBA, he ran... The Bulls, he drafted Michael Jordan, he ran the Nets, he worked, he ran Philly for a while. I mean, Thorne's a Hall of Famer. He has been hired by the Wizards as a senior advisor to new general manager Tommy Shepard. I don't think you can go wrong with having somebody with that kind of resume, with that kind of background, kind of guiding Shepard, especially through this very important time and what to do with Bradley Beal. No, this is... Like, we make fun of the Wizards a lot, and I really enjoy doing that. I will be honest. Fun. I'm not doing that today. This is an unbelievable hire and move for them, and I wonder if he's going to kind of slide into, like, a Jerry West-like role for this organization. This is the guy who drafted Michael Jordan, kind of architect of a lot of those Bulls teams and everything. He got the Nets into, what was it, back-to-back finals, basically. He was a former executive of the year. He was involved with the Dream Team and making that happen. You look at the dude's resume, it's really good. He was just with the Milwaukee Bucks as a senior advisor, and look Mm -hmm. what they've become. Yeah, this is exactly the type of guy you want working with your franchise. And you throw him in that Jerry West role, perfect. The best part about what Rod Thorne can do is – He's not going to pay attention to the ownership. He's not going to pay attention to fan outcry. He's not going to pay attention to how things have been done. Rod Thorne comes in with his history and, you know, if you, if you don't like it, then fine. I'm out of here. Rod Thorne doesn't need Washington. They need Rod Thorne. So nice to kind of get that aspect of things in there and give Tommy Shepard maybe let a little bit of an edge, you know, just to be able to stand his ground, whatever it is, whether it's sticking with Bradley Beal or trading Bradley Beal, however they see things going, uh, it's going to be interesting. Next up, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks signed Kyle Korver, and Giannis says, quote, it's really important that I always try to talk to him a little bit. Uh, he's a great guy. He's not trying to get in your head or overstep and talk to you, too much to you. Whenever he gives me tips, I always try to listen. So, Jake, 
Can Kyle Korver help Giannis become the most deadly basketball player in the world and give him a jump shot? Yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, you know, you would hope a coach would be better at this and he would have learned from a coach that he maybe would have tried it from a coach before. But look, Kyle Korver is pretty good. Um, and yeah, I, he should try and develop a three point shot. And if he ever gets that, this, he's going to even be better than he already is. And there's going to be no stopping him basically. So sure. Why not? Whatever works. If it's not a coach and it's a teammate, sure. Is Kyle Korver a free agent after this year? You know, I don't know. But I'm pulling I, this up because you know some team's going to overpay Kyle Korver, and he is, um, I think. Yeah, he's on a one-year deal with the Bucks. Someone's going to overpay him this offseason in hopes of maybe luring Giannis <laughs> there oh, at a certain sneaky. point. And Kyle Korver's going to end up making so much more money just because of this one quote from Giannis. I tell you what, if Giannis develops that jumper – and uh, that that money will come from the Milwaukee Bucks. It should yes. come from the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, also, if Giannis develops that jumper, then forget it. It's a wrap. Milwaukee Bucks would be winning a ton of championships. So I, I don't know. It's it's great to get the advice. Uh, it's great to have a shooting coach. It's great to have that film and breakdown and all of that stuff. However, Getting it from a player, getting it from a guy that's done it, who's had a reputation, who's made a career off of his shooting, it's just a little bit different. It's just a little bit uh, of, yeah, I agree. you know, getting in there and just having, being in the locker room and just picking his brain and it's just a different feel. It's, you know, ah, uh, you know, what's the footwork like? What's the, you know, what are you thinking when you're coming off of the screen? Like just getting that elite shooter, mentality while he's on the floor with you while you're out just having a drink whatever it is like that it's different so i think it's uh uh an important thing to have a player like that coming in it's it's uh i'm 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 always pro those guys or having at least a former player be a coach to kind of give him that sort of guidance final item in this segment Joel Embiid says he wants to play more than 64 games. He has criticized the Sixers for how they handled his kind of rest and has said that maybe they need to handle things differently. I, I was listening in to some of what he was saying, and basically he's saying the sitting for a few days and doing nothing, it may, he makes it feel like basically he's getting out of shape. He feels like his body is different than other people, and they want to come up with a new plan. So, Jake... Can Joel Embiid play more than 64 games, the most he's ever played, by the way, this upcoming season? Yeah, he can, uh, but they need to limit his minutes some. This was a guy who was playing heavy minutes to start the year. Like He averaged more minutes per game than Nikola Jokic did last season. I don't know if that's the way to go about getting him over 64 games, and maybe you need to find compromises elsewhere, but I can certainly understand what he's saying of a couple days off, not playing for a little bit, gets you out of a rhythm too. It's all sorts of things like that, and they're looking to win a title, and if he knows his body better than anyone else, listen to him and find a different plan, but, you know, play him more games, but maybe limit him in some of them and don't play him, you know, 38 minutes a game. I wonder if the addition of Al Horford is going to help them achieve this goal. Uh, that, that I think is an important addition. Horford obviously can play the five. You can play Joel fewer minutes. You can actually play, play them side by side and, and figure out different ways to approach the season, different ways to kind of minimize the impact. 
of the strain of the season on Embiid's body. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting how they handle this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the number of games is important. It's the quality of the games that he plays and getting him ready for the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if the answer might be even fewer games, but more minutes per game and doing something in between to keep his conditioning up. Because in watching Embiid, especially when he played the Celtics, the biggest problem with Embiid is he fades at the end of games. Like I think his conditioning at the end of games has been problematic. If, especially when he's carrying a big load early, if he has a big first half, I could guarantee that by the end of the fourth quarter, he'll be jacking up threes and walking up the court because his conditioning is not quite there. I think that's their number one priority. Whether it's more games and fewer minutes or fewer games and more minutes per game, they gotta make sure that he's ready to do and bead things down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's what's going to take them to a title, that's for sure. All right. If they do win a title, that'll be a big part of it. If Houston wins the title, will Harden's weird one-legged jumper be part of it? We're going to get weird with the Wednesday stuff next on the Lockdown NBA Podcast. End of the Wednesday show. Time to get weird. I, we got to name this thing. This when, weird Wednesday. <laughs> weird uh, third segment Wednesday. Uh, I don't uh, know. Something like that. A, a wing it Wednesday. It's a wing it Wednesday. Wednesday. We've like, done so many different things. I think my favorite one was still when we came up with like NBA sitcoms or TV shows. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like in the middle of the season after hearing Ben Simmons was getting a show. What, what Mine was Black Ops Basketball. I remember this. Oh, I forget what fun. mine was. I don't remember what mine was. Ah, well. It could not have been that good. But here we are, <laughs> James Harden against the Shanghai Sharks. First of all, what the hell were they doing yeah. playing the Shanghai Sharks? Like, that was stupid. They I know only won pre- by 70, right? 69. Nice. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, I mean, what do you get out of that? They're, they're horrible. There's no, they're lucky nobody got hurt. To, to literally double up a team, you get nothing out of it. Basically, it was Harden whipping off this, uh, was down the right sideline. Side. Defender hanging on his, on his left hand, so he took a dribble to the right. It almost took like a sideways floater, a one foot jumping, fading to his right three pointer, which missed. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be a thing. Uh, if that becomes a shot, you know what that shot reminded me of? I don't know if you're probably not old enough. Have you ever played the old double dribble video game? I don't, I don't think so. No. Oh my God. This is for the old people. Tweet me, Reds Army underscore John, if you know what I'm talking about. The old Nintendo double dribble had a three pointer that was automatic. But you had to dribble down the sideline and sort of jump out of bounds and then fling it backwards. Like, that's what that shot reminded me of. It, it was basically like Dirk's fadeaway shot, but like 
tilt, like turn 90 degrees and maybe with a travel included in it. And it didn't go in. Like after all this talk about how he's going to reinvent the game and this was going to be the unstoppable shot. One, it didn't look unstoppable. Like maybe a defender can get that. I don't really know, but it's just like the, all the hype and you miss the first one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that that's going to be anything that becomes a thing. But yeah, I just called up the YouTube video. I'm going to tweet this out. That, that That's my joke. This is going to be my joke. This absolutely, yeah, I remember doing this. My God, you could score like a thousand points on this game. Uh, boy, I love this game so much. And you look back at it and it's so horrible. Uh, I, it's, I feel like Harden was trying to kill all like the 75 year old former high school coaches with that shot. It's one of the worst possible shots you can take. If you took that shot at any level 10 years ago, you'd be benched. It didn't matter. Like that, that would be instead of like everybody joking about it, people like, what the hell was that? People would be angry. I mean, that was still kind of the reaction to this. Like, I don't think anyone was happy about this. And you you look at his game, which for being a top player in Harden is freaking good. Let's not even lie about this. He is maybe the most frustrating player to watch or maybe the most infuriating good player to watch I think I've ever seen just because of his style of game, drawing the fouls, doing all these maybe travels, maybe not. I guess they're not travels because they don't call them. And <laughs> everyone hates it. And now he's just adding to that. And it's like, oh, God, great. So as if that wasn't bad enough, we're going to go to something much worse. And I can't stress to you how much <laughs> I am annoyed by this. Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal engaging in a rap battle. Now, let me preface this by saying, again, I'm old. I remember rap battles. Get This is a get-off-my-lawn moment. A rap battle is LL Cool J versus Cool Mo D. A rap battle is the, well, minus the ending, Tupac versus Biggie. You know what I mean? Like, th- those guys knew how to record diss tracks. Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal engaging in some sort of back-and-forth on Tuesday. Uh, Lillard saying... Well, I'm a better rapper than Shaq. And Shaq responding with a diss track and, and Lillard responding with his own diss track. Uh, dude, uh, save me it's here. Still the save me here. No. Save me. So, so everyone listening, I texted John in like the middle of the day with like rap battles with an exclamation point, meaning we were going to talk about this on the podcast. And oh man, you could just feel the disdain for this topic coming through in text form. Look, it's kind of fun. Why not? You know, right. you have Shaq, who's pretty entertaining. And Damian Lillard's not bad at this. And I'm not a big rap guy. I was just at an Iron Maiden metal show the other week. <laughs> and so this is, again, out of my realm of expertise here. It wasn't horrible. And if we're going to have some fun in the NBA, I kind of dig this. These guys are, like, really being themselves. We know Shaq's been in the rap game for a little bit now. Uh So, like, why not? There's way worse <laughs> ways we could go about with this trash talk. Okay, so – for basketball players, they're okay. They're, they're, they're decent rappers. Okay. Uh, for basketball players. So we'll leave it at that. The, um, the disses in, in the songs, you know, saying Lillard saying that, um, Kobe carried you to your rings and, uh, Shaq saying something like, uh, 
the what was what was his line? Something there, about so, you're, you're he, not. He said, you're not. Yeah, you're so, not. You'll never be Westbrook. You'll never yeah, right. be Steph Curry. And then out of nowhere, and I can just imagine how this went. He goes talking like you're Braun. You ain't even Trevor Ariza. Yeah, yeah. And what's in your well, wallet? Not, American not Express not Ariza. Talking like you're Braun. You ain't even Trevor Ariza. That I mean. That's that Trevor one is Reza that's just line. catching bullets here yeah, for bullet, no yeah. reason. Reason's like reading a newspaper, like what, what the hell? Uh, anyway, yeah, just chilling on his couch, hanging out. It's the I guess he's probably a training camp, and like this is what he he finds out about with the Kings, and it's like really, which I mean, I thought he had retired after this year because I forgot he was with the Kings, um, which goes to show how his career has kind of gone towards the end of it. Uh, so maybe he deserves that. I don't know. But, man, I feel bad for Trevor Ariza in all of this. So let's end this stupid weird Wednesday with who would we want to actually hear in the NBA? Let's 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 drum up some other rap battles. Who should be beefing in a rap battle? You got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I have two, I guess, here. First and foremost, it seems like if anyone was going to – it doesn't really fit their personalities enough, but, I mean, Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons probably. Hmm. And then the other one would be probably – or I guess maybe Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell would be maybe more appropriate. Let's call it that. How about and Ben Simmons the versus a three-point line? Oh, there you go. See, my other one's a player versus kind of an inanimate thing, and sure. that's going to be James Harden versus the travel calls or the referees. <laughs> a James Harden referee rap battle would be amazing. That would be a, a I want I want the refs to just like like uh like they're a group, like just to come out and and drop yeah a diss track against uh Harden. That'd be great. Mine mine is um Jimmy Butler against Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's be, good. I think that's it would be good. a fun one. Um, Russell Westbrook against Kevin Durant might be a good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, that's that's about all I got right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a ton that would make like I, I you don't have any of these kind of like fierce rivalry things right now, kind no, of in the NBA. It's no. just more like personal beef that it's like. Eh, I don't care about this, and I don't need to hear about it. So please don't rap about it. <laughs> um, I can't think of anything else. Paul George versus Sam Presti. Um, Knicks fans versus James Dolan. But yes. James Dolan wouldn't do a rap battle about it. It would be like a blues battle. <laughs> and he would be really excited to record an album with, was it JD in the straight shot? Uh, and yeah. he'd be like, this isn't how you respond to this. <laughs> I feel bad for the straight shot. I mean, the, the the people that he pays to back him up are good musicians. They chose this life. They're good they musicians. They chose this life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, money talks. Lord knows how much they're paying him. I mean, they, they he's paying them. But, uh, yeah, to go out there and back up James Dolan, huh, well, you know, we've all done questionable things for money over the course of our time, especially something like this podcast. Uh, which is highly questionable. No, I'm not infringing on anybody's copywritten stuff. Sorry. Uh, Weird Wednesday, Wing It Wednesday, that's it. We're done. That's our rap battle. If you got a rap battle, send it to us. I'm Red's Army underscore John. Jake's at Nola Jake. That's the Wednesday show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Give us that five-star rating. Give us a good review. Tomorrow, David Locke is back for a new Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.